Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Megan. How are you? I am very happy to be back in our second episode in a series about solo parenthood. Um, We did this last week, and it was so great to talk to the four moms that we featured on the show, um, two for me and two for you. And now we're back to kind of give, I don't know, like a broader experience, I guess. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. And I really did enjoy the two interviews I got to do last week. And then I loved hearing the ones you did. And we've heard from a lot of people that just those four windows into the world of solo parenthood left a lot of people feeling less alone, even though they're just four examples. And that's one of the things we're going to get into today is we know that nobody's situation looks exactly like anybody else's. And that was kind of a through line. So thank you to everybody who emailed us and just let us know that you really enjoyed that episode. I'm hoping today, Megan, that we even broaden this a little bit because I know I I feel like I don't have a lot of cred as a solo parent in the way that the four moms we interviewed last week do. When I was doing solo parenting, it was shorter stints and I had a very supportive traveling spouse. But everything we're talking about today, I feel like can apply even if your your partner goes out of town once or twice a year, because these are really like tips we're talking about today. Yeah. And I just want to make sure that we um, differentiate between solo parenting, which is really the focus of this series and single parenting, which is like a totally different thing. And so it's like what is it? It's sometimes like A equals B, but B does not always equal A. (laughs) Right. Like all squares are rectangles, but not all (laughs) rectangles are squares. Exactly. So like if you're a single parent, like you are solo parenting all the time. We totally get that. And then there's this kind of these, I'm not even going to say this other category. There's all these multiple other categories where you wind up going it alone. Maybe you're going it alone just like um, on the weekends because your spouse is gone or during the week because your spouse is traveling or Maybe um, it's like a swing shift kind of a thing, or maybe like your 
spouse or partner is deployed. Like there's so many different ways it can go. And sometimes it's just now and then. And like that Mm -hmm. can be really hard too. I think one of the things that I have learned as someone who's been solo in a variety of ways from single divorce to just down to like traveling um, partner down to like just an afternoon that's sort of random is that sometimes the less used you are to it, the almost Mm -hmm. the harder it is to adjust because it's not it's not like part of your routine. You don't really know how to do it. Or like that first time your partner goes back to work and you're sitting at home with a new baby or a new baby and a toddler or something. Mm -hmm. And like just figuring that out, that is like, you're doing it on your own. Um, And that is something that we all experience at some point. And we all experience it for the first time at some point. Mm -hmm. And not all of us get like a chance to really get used to it or get our systems together. So like, these are all important conversations to be had. And it's not about, like stacking one type of experience against another. It's really about looking at all the experiences that there are. Right. I, I totally agree. And actually, I found it interesting that almost every one of our interviews last week mentioned that it wasn't that their situation was, quote unquote, harder or hardest, but that there were different perks and challenges that come with every situation. And each of them kind of said that when we asked, what what do you wish other moms knew about your solo parenting situation? So I thought that was kind of an interesting through line. And it's so true. You could be um, single, truly single without a partner in the picture at all. But if you're surrounded by extended family and friends or you have your parents, you know, down the block, that looks different than somebody um, we we talked to some deployed families who go to a city where they know no one and they might have they might be married and have a supportive partner. But if he's deployed for three months at a time and they have no extended family, do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. even if you yeah. try to hierarchy these things, it doesn't right. really work because we have things that make um, our soloness particularly challenging. And then we have support systems within it that that ease the burden. So there is no hierarchy. There's no hard Olympics. And I think um, hopefully that came through last week. And and today, as we broaden this, um, what I love is we got survival tips from from moms in our community who, you know, their husbands travel. They would be like your average traveling spouse, solo parent, not the hardest, you know, maybe somewhere in the middle. But their survival tips can work, can apply to everyone, which I love. I agree. And you make you bring up a really good point that there are so many factors that go into like the quote, you know difficultness, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't even think that's a word, difficulty, um, unquote, of your situation that are beyond your, your, um, partner status or beyond like how many hours a week your partner is there. And I mean, those could include, I mean, I'm not even going to go into them all, but like your, your child has a a health issue or developmental Mm -hmm. issue or, um, the relationship with the spouse in your home also, you know, definitely like it, it changes things. And the calculus is never, it's never like cut and dried. It's very, it's very complicated. Um, and that, you know, brings to mind a really, another point that I think is really important in that I think it's really tempting to try to relate to people when they're telling you something in their lives, that's really hard. And maybe it's something that you think, you know, what they're (laughs) exactly what they're talking about. But, um, Katie last week, she was the very first interview and she's a divorced mom. And she said something like when, when people say things like, I totally know what you mean. And they don't, it's actually devalidating because she, Mm -hmm. they don't, they really don't. And it's not that she wants to say it's harder than you think, or you don't know, or I have it harder than you. It's more just like, no, actually you have in your mind how you think it is, but that's actually not how it is. And that's just a good reminder for all of us when we're trying to, um, I don't know, 
we're trying to empathize and sometimes we tend to make things about us that aren't about us. And yep. I think that's a good reminder for me as well. Yep, exactly. And I think the, a similar thing to that is that the language we use matters. And I think that's been another through line of this series, even tossing around single versus divorce. I remember when you got divorced, Megan, you you kind of like had to find how you referred to yourself because yes. you, 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 ha- you're, um, you have an ex-partner who has shared custody lives in the same general area and is involved. So like you had to kind of find a way to explain yourself. And I remember talking to Julie, who's a completely single all the time mom about language. And, you know, she talked about when people say I'm single momming it for the weekend and you're like, well, but okay. Like, (laughs) yeah. Okay. Right. I think it's never, it's never a bad thing to just have the reminder that the language we use matters. If we go into these conversations with openness and empathy and not you know, not trying to hard out hard one another. Mm-hmm. Um, we can actually all just support each other and learn from each other. So. Yeah. That reminds me of like when you say that your um, partner is home babysitting. <laughs> like, yeah. You right. know what I mean? It's right. like the word isn't quite the right word. It's like, I get what you're saying, <laughs> but it's not, it's just not accurate. But I think I like solo parenthood because I don't feel like it has any of this loadedness to it. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not well-defined. So we kind of can, it just, it's accurate. Like whatever you're doing, if you're doing yes. it alone, you're solo, whether it's for an hour or a year. So yeah, there you go. Exactly. You, and I think that's actually the best, like kind of most foundational definition is in the moment. And we've shared some really like funny and poignant moments, like in the moment where the baby's crying, the toddler's peeing on the floor and the dog is barfing or whatever it is. There's not another adult yeah. right there. That's the definition, whether it's, you know, 24-7 or twice a year or whatever. So, yeah. Well, um, today's episode is going to be full of survival tips from parents who have done this solo parenthood thing in all kinds of different ways. So we just feel really excited because we got so many great tips from so many solo parents. We're going to share a bunch of them today. Um, There are also some voicemails, some audio recordings on the landing page for this series, which is themomhour.com slash solo. Um, And there's a whole bunch of great stuff on that page, but we're also going to put some additional survival tips from solo parents on that page. So you'll have more to listen to after you finish today's episode. Um, And yeah, this is going to be really fun. I am really excited about this whole thing. I'm just really grateful to everyone who's, who's participated and excited about this episode. So. Let's dive in. But before we do, let's welcome back our sponsor for this series, Water Wipes. So Sarah, one thing you and I have always tried to do on this show is really keep it real when it comes to how we talk about motherhood. I mean, it's kind of right in our intro, right? Right. And that's why we're so excited to partner with Water Wipes for this special series on solo parenthood. Water Wipes are the world's purest baby wipes, and the company was started by a father who wanted to help other parents and babies. When the team at Water Wipes found out just how distorted a view parents were getting from culture and social media, they decided they wanted to lead the way in changing the conversation away from this like unattainable perfection and toward honest, real storytelling. Water Wipes' hashtag This Is Parenthood campaign collects real stories from real parents about the ups and downs of parenthood today. We know that so many parents end up going it alone at some point, whether it's all day, every day, or once a month for their partner's business trips. And as we're showing in this episode, solo parenthood looks a little different for everyone, but no matter what your circumstances are, it's hard. We'd love for you to check out the special page we've set up at themomhour.com slash solo, where you'll get to know some of the moms who contributed to this series, hear more audio clips with great tips that we didn't have time to get to today, and find out more about the hashtag This Is Parenthood community. 
You can also follow that hashtag, This Is Parenthood, on social to read more stories and find out more about how Water Wipes is supporting all kinds of parents. Okay, Sarah. So we are going to dive in with all these great tips. And we are starting with the baby phase because last week, all interviewees had kids who were at least four years old. And I'm guessing that's probably because solo parents with infants don't have time, you know, for a podcast interview, right? <laughs> I'm just picturing like, I'm picturing solo <laughs> parents out there who who saw our call and were like, yeah. oh, I should definitely, yeah, nope, no, no time. Or like so. they're like the octopus arm. You know, like with yeah. like picking the baby up and like tossing them across the room so they can do the interview. Yeah, I guess yeah. I can see how that would be hard to to work out. So we were able to source a bunch of those tips um, without having to get uh, moms on the mic, which is good. Right. But a lot of you do have babies and young toddlers right now. So we're going to dig into some specific tips for that season of life when you're on your own, which I know is so challenging. Yep. And you and I have both been there for sure. My my solo parenting season was most highly concentrated when I was pregnant with my third. So I had a, a three and a one or a young four and a young two. And then when my third baby was an infant. So that's like my memory of solo parenthood. The, for, you know, the most I ever did of it was in that season. So yeah, let's dig in. So um, Naomi commented in our Facebook group and she was just full of really practical tips, but I can't get over this one because it's so smart. Are you ready? I'm ready. Naomi said, with a newborn, make sure you have meals you can eat with one hand sitting on the sofa. My daughter would only sleep on me and I would spend hours just sitting on the sofa with her. So that is so genius. <laughs> Pre-prepping meals is already really smart, but having things on hand that you as a mom can feed yourself with one hand is so smart. Do you remember the feeling of having a newborn and no one to hold the baby and sitting there like trying to get your hands around a sandwich or something like something you couldn't <laughs> or like something that would roll off the fork? If you uh -huh. tried to eat it with uh -huh. one hand and you're just like trying to shovel it in your face and there's just rice all over your baby's head or whatever. I mean, yes, I totally remember that. <laughs> um, yeah, that is so smart. And um, I just am wishing back that I had had more burritos, more pre-made burritos mm, in my burritos. life. I feel like yeah. that's a, a perfect food. So Naomi also said her husband would leave for a week to 10 days at a time. And she suggests make sure you get a good shower and wash your hair right before he leaves, if that's your situation as well, because it might be a while before you can spend so long in the shower. Again, so simple, smart. so yes. smart. Yes. And it's just, it's just, it just, it requires just a little planning ahead so that you don't, mm -hmm. you know, fritter that time doing stuff you could do when he's not there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, she also suggested to have cash on hand. And I love this little, um, this little tidbit. Sometimes the best lessons come from those experiences where we realized like, oh, shoot, should have thought that yeah. through differently. So she uh, needed to get a prescription from the pharmacy. Her husband was gone. It was pouring rain. She was on her own, couldn't get in person to the pharmacy. So she was able to ask for help from a neighbor and she had cash to pay her back. So obviously that's not the only situation where you might need cash, but just um, as like a high five to your future self, as yeah. we like to say, um, one less wrinkle in anything that could go wrong is having cash on hand. I love that. And remember that your elderly neighbor may not use Venmo. Yeah, right. <laughs> so like, don't necessarily count on um, the same way that you would do like transfers with your friends. It might, so it might, it is, it's good to have all your bases covered. Well, our next one is from Megan, whose husband is deployed as an ICU nurse. I love this one. She says something that's worked for us is that my husband has downloaded our son's favorite books on his Kindle 
So at night, he can read him a book while I flip through the pages of the actual book at home. It helps my husband still feel connected to our nighttime routine. And I love that because it also probably is a great bonding thing for all three of them. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be kind of hard to pull off when, you know, when your spouse is traveling that much, especially with a little one. Yeah. And I did check with Megan because I was curious how old her son is. He's not even two. So we're talking about, you know, a very young toddler. And and when when you're dealing with long term separation from a spouse or co-parent, those babies change so much, like just their yes. language development and their routines. And I'm sure she and her husband chat about all the cute things he did and said all day. But to have that story time built into the routine and to have it connected to the home front. So it's, you know, he's able to read. I just think that's so smart way to way to use technology, but all like in a warm, fuzzy, old fashioned way at the same time. Right. kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Well, we also heard from Elena, who was full of tips. So her husband works a tech job where he is around, but literally on call 24 seven. So from how I understand their situation, he works a lot, but he also could be pulled away for any amount of time at any moment, which is that is stressful. Yeah, I think we should totally talk about this particular brand of difficulty, um, because I think it's just really misunderstood. Like when you have a partner that technically is around, but then can't actually participate um, in a meaningful way or consistently, or might be in the middle of participating and yep. then disappears or is pulled away like yep. that up and down nature. And then having to manage your expectations, having to manage your kids' expectations, mm-hmm. disappointment and all that. Like, I feel like that's one of those unseen solo parenthoods because probably on the outside, it really looks like kind of this typical family where the dad maybe even looks like the dad's around more. Right. But it's not, you can't count on it. And I just think that would be so hard. I just want to like give a nod to Elena and other moms in that situation. Absolutely. And we did hear from quite a few, some of them whose partner was like working on a PhD in the other room or like that in the house, but not available. And then in Elena's case, specifically that the unpredictability of an on-call. And we know that happens in other industries too. So um, a couple great tips from Elena. One, she says during the afternoon block of naps, and I think she has two little ones, um, like a baby and a two-year-old, she has a 15 to 30 minute window before the older one wakes up and she takes 10 minutes to sit down in silence. She says, I can't tell you how much it resets me for the remaining day. I usually sit on the floor in our front hall so that I can't see the toys dishes, or slightly overfilled diaper genie. My phone is silenced. I am as off the grid, both digital and mom mode as I can be for those 10 minutes. Not being climbed on while sitting is amazing. I love that. (laughs) It's really simple, but it also requires discipline to do that. Cause how easy would it be for that 10 minutes to be time to clean up the dishes? I love that she even removes the visual reminder of the chaos by sitting in a place where she can't even see it. I love that. Well, and it's just, isn't it a great example of sometimes in the moment, the things that seem the easiest to like feed you, whether it's um, literally eating or whether (laughs) it's like flipping through your phone or something like that, like they seem like a reset. It seems easy. It seems like a break, but without putting that intention behind it, it probably isn't as restful or, or refilling your cup the way something like this, like a very intentional timeout would be. Right. The intentional timeout requires more work, but you get so much more out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. smart. Love it. I also love just very quickly. She uh, has to put to bed a new baby and a two-year-old on her own, which I'm sure there are many of you listening in that position. And I've been there too. Um, but she, to, to kind of deal with the chaos of the toddler and the new baby at once, she puts the two-year-old to work 
and has him grab the diaper and grab the lotion and kind of become a big sibling helper during the baby's bedtime. Um, And sometimes that even earns a little extra story time with him. And she's just she's included the toddler as part of instead of like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do with this toddler while I put the baby to bed, which I admit I've totally had that mindset before. Um, So I love the idea of making him part of it and just giving him little jobs and kind of kind of just leaning into it's going to take the three of us. We heard that a lot in our interviews last week. Like we got to be a team here, even if you're two and two months. So, yeah, very good tip. Okay, well, let's move on to tips about keeping the household moving. Um, You know, whether you have one newborn or five big kids like me, we got some great tips about things like home management, meal planning. Yeah. Okay, so Cheryl in our Facebook group has the best tip, but the funny part is she got it from you, Megan. This is your tip. And the funny part is I had kind of forgotten about it because I'm so out of that phase now. But yeah, please, please um, share my wisdom. (laughs) This is Megan's wisdom that has been applied by a listener for years and is now coming back to us. And we're like, oh, that's so smart. Um, So Cheryl does the most amazing, simple thing. She puts her small kids to bed in the clothes they are going to wear the next day. So cotton. They're not, I mean, I assume they're just wearing like cotton play clothes the next day. And so you recommended that. Do you remember doing that, Megan? Yes, I do. It was on my blog, I want to say. And I remember getting a comment from someone calling me lazy. (laughs) (laughs) This was so long. And I was like, yeah, so what? And it was a long time ago. It was like, do you remember? It was on the Happiest Home blog and probably six or seven years ago. So I remember we, we used it in a series we did called Summer Shortcuts. But right. I think Which, you had all I think it was already being repurposed by that point. So I don't remember the I original. Think actually, I think you're right. I think this is like one of my old tips. And I will just say, like, I remember when my kids were really little, just always, um, especially those long periods when I was alone, my brain was like always in this kind of like hack mode and going like, how do I make this easier? How yeah. do I make this easier? And I know you can relate to that, Sarah. You're very hack oriented. (laughs) And the funny thing is I'm really not, but there comes a point where you're like, okay, like I need to figure out ways to make this just really effective and efficient. And so, um, at that point, my kids were all taking baths at night and I was like, wait, why am I going to dress them in pajamas Mm -hmm. and then get them all back up in the morning and put clean pajamas on their clean bodies and then wake them up in the morning and take off their clean pajamas and put on clean other clothes, especially mm-hmm. in the summer when the stuff they would wear to bed is very similar. Like they were all wearing soft t-shirts, soft shorts, mm-hmm. um, and things like that. Or like even honestly, even in the winter that would work with leggings and sweats right. and joggers and things like that. Um, but anyway, so I just got like in that habit of doing that and it made school mornings and even mornings when I just wanted them to get moving like mm-hmm. earlier and without as much like laundry to deal with. And it was just one of those like kind of hacks. It was just born of me being tired of being tired doing something, I guess. Um, I love yeah. It. So yeah, good one. I'm glad that has lived on. <laughs> Thank you, Cheryl, for the reminder. Okay. Well, our next one is from Rebecca. This also came from Facebook. Um, and she says, and I love this one, by the way, she says, if my husband would be gone for a week or two, I'd also find something for dinner. He wasn't a fan of, <laughs> she says, whether it was Thai food that she got on takeout or breakfast for dinner or whatever it was she wanted. And then that would be something that just she and the kids did while her husband was traveling. And she says that she knows he had the same when she was traveling. So they'd have different meals than if um, she was at home, which I think dads are really good at doing that stuff. I mean, we all hear about like the meals that people's husbands concoct. 
when mom's out of town and it's basically just like a bunch of cans opened up mm-hmm. and up. I know you don't, Sarah. Brian doesn't do that. <laughs> but like that is like one of those tropes that is it's a stereotype because like partly it's a little bit true. Right? right. But I think sometimes moms feel like we have to hold everything together exactly the same way when the spouse is gone as when they're home. But the way mm-hmm. she thought of it is that she thought it would be something the kids would remember um, as they got older or something to look forward to. And I, and I love this one because I think that, I mean, as someone who's been solo and single in a variety of ways, whether divorce or just a traveling spouse or a spouse who's working on the road for a long period of time, like you have to find ways to make that pleasurable and a treat and not feel like you're always waiting for them to get back. So things Mm -hmm. can be real again. And there's lots of ways you can indulge yourself. Like you can watch shows that they don't like, or you could adjust your bedtime to suit you instead of suiting, you know, partner, or you can eat dinner earlier or later or alone in front of the TV after the kids are in bed, whatever it is. There's like lots of ways that you can make that experience your own. And not only can you, but like you get to, Mm -hmm. that's part of what makes it manageable. Yep. I love that. That's a reframing that I love. So Tanya's tip is also about dinner. And I love this because this is a little bit more in the ages my kids are a little younger than my three, but hers are six, nine and 11. And she says once in a while when they're on their own, the kids get to choose and make their favorite dinner to be eaten around the table together while reading their favorite books. And they think it's a treat. I love this so much. Like I, I actually love anything that reframes something that's kind of a drag or a bummer into like a party. Like you just have to give it a yes. name. I've, I've always talked about this on the show. Like if you give something a brand, like if you, if you do a little branding, a little rebrand of something and give it a name, then you're, you can, uh, yeah, you can spit shine a lot of situations. And so I feel like, first of all, she doesn't have to cook dinner. Her kids right. think it's a celebration and she's like in the other room, like probably with a glass of wine, watching a show. I'm it's so right. smart. And so, and you can't do that when they're one, three and five. But if you, you know, have older kids are looking ahead to that stage. I think that's sweet. And your kids will always remember that sweet tradition. I mean, it's, it's yes. just great. I love that. And, and Sarah, I, to your point about, you know, reframing things. Um, I remember you talking, remember back when travel was a thing. Yeah. Um, I remember you talking about when Brian would travel and you had like different house rules and I can't remember what they were now, but like yep. you had maybe treats were different. Yeah. Um, screen time was different, but it was because you just decided you declared it to be so. Mm hmm. And then it was. Yep, it was. You're probably good memory. You're probably remembering we used to do a nightly show that during the week, normally the kids didn't watch TV at that time. Um, and then they would. And it was Mr. Rogers. I would put on Mr. Rogers, which is actually the most calming, like yes. meditative, um, wholesome. So if I had said, hey, guys, fine, you can watch a show because mom's tired. And it was, I'm like kind of giving up or giving in. Instead, I pre-decided they could watch a show. I made it the most enriching, boring, kind of wholesome show that they never would have picked on their own. But they looked forward to it because, like you said, it was it was like announced as this is the new system. And then it would let me brush their teeth like they were all all in one place. And I could basically go around, make sure they all brush their teeth and (laughs) I don't know, clip their fingernails or something. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So. All right. Well, we are going to talk a little bit more about our sponsor, Water Wipes, and then we are going to dive into self-care and me time, which let's be honest, how does that even happen when you're on your own? But we have some really great tips. So Megan, I wasn't surprised to learn that seven out of 10 parents would like to see more honest representations of parenthood in culture and social media. 
I mean, it's this crazy dichotomy, right? We know that what we're seeing on Instagram is so often not even remotely realistic, and yet we kind of can't help but compare ourselves against it. Totally. Even when we logically know that real people's homes and wardrobes and bodies and family lives don't look that perfect, it's just really hard not to internalize those images until you're somehow thinking they're normal. Our sponsor for this special solo parenthood series is taking on that unrealistic culture in their hashtag This Is Parenthood Project. It's a way of celebrating parenthood by featuring real, unfiltered stories from parents around the world. So Water Wipes has an amazing video on their website that everyone should go check out. It made me cry more than once, Megan, and it was just so perfect. It's gritty and real, but beautiful at the same time. It's about 15 minutes. You should all go watch it. You can really just feel the respect that the Water Wipes brand has for the experience of parenting. Water Wipes also wants you to become part of the conversation. So if you have a parenting story to share, use the hashtag ThisIsParenthood on social. So check out the show notes to this episode and you're going to find a link to that video as well as a link to the landing page we've put together for the This Is Solo Parenthood series. Yeah, definitely check that out. And we are going to dive into some more tips from solo parents from our community. And we're going to talk, Megan, about Oh, this whole category of taking care of your own mental health, um, getting a little time for self-care, uh, me time, is that even a thing? And so we got some great tips from our listeners. So let's dive in. We did. Um, so, And the first one is actually one of my favorites. So this is from Jenny on Facebook. Jenny's a single mom and a teacher with a three-year-old son. And she says, one of the biggest things is I used to leave school right away and go pick up my son from daycare by 4 p.m., A couple people told me to have some me time and let him stay at daycare longer. So now I always schedule him till five there at the daycare. And there are times I will run an errand, run home to vacuum or shovel, run home to do a workout. It's not really me time, but it makes it so that I don't have to do that after he goes to bed. And I love this. Um, And I used to do the same thing when I was working outside the home and had little kids. And it was born of a time that I was alone a lot. And I remember it took me so long to do it because I had this mental like block of feeling like I had to spend every moment I could possibly, like I had to run out the door from work Mm -hmm. as soon as I possibly could pick up the kids, like be the first in line to pick them up from daycare to start like our time together. But I think it actually was kind of coming back to bite us all because I still had to get all that other stuff done. Mm -hmm. Um, I still had to go grocery shopping. I still had to like clean the house and all all those things had to get done. But by me trying to do it all with kids in tow, I was just making it like way more stressful on me and not as fun for the kids. Like they didn't necessarily want to be tagging along to the store every time or sitting in the car while I shoveled the driveway or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. So like just giving myself that hour of grace after work. And even if sometimes all I did was like sit in my car for a few minutes Mm -hmm. and listen to music and just shut my eyes, like there was just something about having that transition time that was wonderful. And I, yep. I wish I had started sooner. I love that. I love that. Well, Elena, um, who we heard from earlier, she's the one whose husband's tech job both has him working all the time and also on call all the time. But her tip is specific to those of you who may have a spouse working from home, um, but who's doing night school or, you know, just occupied and not able to help. She says that once the boys are asleep at night, she puts the baby monitor where her husband's working um, and takes off for 20 minutes or an hour and goes to get herself a treat at Dairy Queen, listen to music, 
whatever she needs to do. Now, obviously, this doesn't work if you if you really are the only adult in the house. But think about how you could use this creatively. When your kids are sleeping, if your kids are reliably sleeping, and we just did an episode about sleep. But if you've got little ones who go to bed at 7 or 7.30 p.m., um, I could see having a neighbor or a teenager or even trading with a mom friend, especially when wow. COVID's over, somebody who can come and sit and read their book or grade papers or do whatever they're going to do. It's different than asking for a full babysitter situation. It's more like, hey, I'm off duty because the babies are sleeping, but I need something more than just cleaning up the dishes, right? I need yep. to get out of the house or I need to feel a separation from the duties that I have been immersed in. And so she, Elena, you know, she puts the baby monitor in her husband's office and he's working anyway. I guess what I like about this is it's leveraging a pocket of time that already exists, which her boys are asleep, her husband's working, but she's taken the extra step to be like, I'm not just going to clean up or go right to bed or, you know, do whatever. I'm going to actually leave the house Um, and take some time for myself and go get a treat. And sometimes just that change in environment or getting in the car even can just create a little bit of a separation. So I love that one. And I think it could be applied creatively, even if you don't have a partner working in the next room. Totally agree. That is really smart. And you're right. It's just about leveraging time that otherwise wouldn't be like amazingly well spent. (laughs) It's kind of like like what we were saying earlier. Like sometimes you just, by applying a little attention, intention, and doing the pre-work of setting yourself up, you can make so much more out of 20 minutes than you would if you were using it the way you usually would use it, which I know we all, it's, it's easy to like let that time slip through your fingers. So yeah. Um, our next tip is from Jessica. Uh, this also came through Facebook. Um, Jessica says to tell your kids they have to have quiet time for at least an hour in their rooms, whether that's nap time or playing independently. And if they come out before the hour is up, they get 15 extra minutes. I love that. It's like... <laughs> It's like when you're negotiating, but the price is going up. Like, oh, you yeah. want to ask now? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Now it's $150. Oh, you asked again. Now it's $175. But yeah, I mean, I think there's so many ways to kind of get your kids on board too and to, to just create structure um, and expectations, however you end up doing that. And I know it, it, I know it depends a lot of the ages of your kids, but sure. um, getting them on board, helping you get what you need. Exactly. And you know, that Jessica's tip is not going to work the first day you try it if you've never been doing it, but building in and quiet time expectations and sticking to them is, I think, a form of self-care, right? Because if we're running ourselves into the ground every day and we're miserable by bedtime, you almost have to look backwards in the day and see if you can carve out that hour. And, And kids really do thrive on routines for the most part. So Um, I love that she's just made that an expected part of the day and not like waiting till the point where you're like, oh my gosh, mom needs, you know, give me 15 minutes of quiet, but she knows she can come to expect that. And, and, you know, when your kids give up naps, it's, it's a real bummer. Like if you're used to having uh, that automatic break during the day, then you've got three and four year olds who aren't, you know, they don't leave you alone, but they also don't always take a nap. So that can be a great bridge for that part. So. Well, a huge part about getting time to yourself and getting time to take care of your self-care needs is also tied to asking for help. And we got some, you know, some really good tips about that. And, and we can link up to in the show notes. We've done some great episodes about asking for help and accepting help before. Um, but let's dig into a couple tips that specifically spoke to asking for and accepting help. So Kelsey um, from our Facebook group said that she uses a shared calendar on her phone with her mom so that she can actually schedule appointments that work with her mom's schedule to help with childcare. So they are fully in communication the whole time. 
Kelsey also mentioned just to encourage everybody to accept the help that's offered, whether it's grandparents, aunts and uncles, um, and specifically to let people to find like one weekly task that recurs and just let somebody take it over if you know that you're going to be solo. So I'm kind of learning to do that now, actually, because we live in the same town as my parents. And sometimes it's hard when someone offers to help. Um, but if there is like a weekly thing that they can do or take off your plate, I think that can be really helpful. I love that. I think that's so smart because like um, offers of help are one of those things that can feel very kind of nebulous. Like, yeah, this person would totally help me, but when am I going to call on them? And is it going to be awkward? Cause I'm going to have to call them and ask them for this specific thing or send a text. And in this case, she's literally just putting it on her mom's calendar. <laughs> Like, right. mm-hmm. I love that. Like there's no, the, the, the agreement's already been made that her mom's going to help. So like, mm-hmm. since that's already set, the next step is just getting it like in it, just assigning a date and a time to it. There's no, yep. it doesn't sound like there's any more conversation to be had. And of course you can't have that arrangement with everybody, but if you have someone in your life that you're fortunate enough actually is that much of an open door mm-hmm. for you, then like figure out a way to take advantage of it. Cause that they want you to, um, It might just be having the foresight to do that. I love that. Yep, I totally agree. So our next tip is from Elena again. Um, Elena has so many good tips. We should have her follow us around and feed them into our heads. Um, (laughs) But she says, I love this one so much. She says the key to getting the most out of hiring a babysitter for a couple of hours is to plan it so that the sitter is dealing with a decision-making time for the day. So the examples that she gave would be lunchtime through nap time or end of nap time through dinner. That way, the burden of having to think after a tougher period of time is lifted. And I have to say, I accidentally did this without thinking of it that way, like going back through times of my life where I've had like really kind of um, short stints of childcare and very purposely having them happen during like meal prep time or snack time or like times of the day that I just don't want to deal with and like find those times. Because the thing you don't necessarily want to do in that when you're in the situation where you get very little free time and you're wanting to hire a sitter is to hire a sitter and then give away the time that you want. Right. With the kids, if that makes sense. So I think that's really smart. Well, I have to say, I, I really never got good at this. And I've talked on this show many times about how I didn't really get good at hiring babysitters for many years anyway, for a lot of different reasons. But when I did have them, I almost did the opposite. I almost like I would. I would bend over backwards trying to do all the prep work to make sure that the sitter had the easiest time with the kids. And one of the one of the issues was I didn't have very reliable sitters who knew my kids really well. So I was trying to what is it like snowplow? I was trying to pave the way for a smooth experience, both for the sitter and my kids, because I never had a regular person who could just step in and manage all that, who knew where the snacks were and who did, you know, so I, I totally agree. And if I had to do it all over again or advise someone else, 100% agree that that's going to give you so much more time off, quote unquote, time off or whatever you're doing with your babysitter time. If you are letting them take some of those heavy lifting periods and then you come back, hopefully refreshed and you get to come back into an easier phase of the day. So it's like a win win. And then finally, we just got a couple of I would call these two tips more like advice and perspective from two seasoned moms. I think they both have three kids, Rebecca and Kelsey, both longtime listeners um, that just really helped me frame the experience of solo parenthood differently. Or when I read their tips, I was like, yes, this is, this is so true. So these are our, these are our like, amen, amen, sister (laughs) tips. So Rebecca says, one of my best solo parenting reminders is that your kids are probably more independent than you think. 
My husband and I used to both travel a lot. When he went away, I was always trying to do it all to get things done. When I went away, the independence he gave the kids was amazing. They would sort out their breakfasts, dress themselves or help their siblings get dressed. They do the table clearing and tidying as they went, sweeping, etc. I think his mentality was that he'd get the kids to step up instead of feeling like he could do it all. And I think the kids would just look to me to doing it all because, well, I just did it without asking them to help. This is like mind blown, like boom. Okay, so Sarah, this reminds me of the mantra that you and I lean on all the time in business um, and sometimes in life, which is uh, WWADD, which stands for what would a dude do? I know we've talked about (laughs) it on the show before, but I think this is just, again, like to my comment before about how... um, it's like one of the tales as old as time that when mom is away, dad puts like a can of um, hash mix <laughs> and some, I don't know, peas in a pot and calls it dinner and like serves it with ketchup and the kids somehow just manage to eat it. Like it's, it's like their, their mindset is very different. And I have experienced this with my um, ex-husband, my kid's dad, um, when he would have the kids and I was gone. Not only did they all live, but they seemed like they were having a ball. Like, yeah. they, like, and he seemed like he was doing just fine. Like he, they, they would just step up and do stuff that they wouldn't for me because I would step up and do it all. And I just think it's just a really good reminder that our kids are so capable, mm-hmm. um, independent and capable. And, and we don't always do ourselves in particular, but also them any favors by jumping too quickly to like do it. And yeah. sometimes like, really like leaning in on their independence is, is really important. And actually can be, it can actually really shift your perspective about the time you spent alone, spend alone. And you know, I'm not talking babies here, but I would say by the time they're like three, they can start learning some of this stuff. And even stuff like, even if, um, naps and things, sometimes little ones like toddlers are surprisingly good at going down for dad and not for mom. And I mean, uh, that was the case for me, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm not going to beat myself up about that. The dynamic was different in a lot of ways. But, yeah. you know, it's just always good to think about why. And I, this reminds me, actually, of something you said at the very top of this episode, which is some things seem harder when you actually have no experience, whereas are those listening who solo parent a lot all the time or who are completely single and are always by themselves, um, they don't have this. The contrast isn't there for them. So I related to this a lot, but I'm thinking about Katie last week and Julie talking about the the things their kids were capable of. They know this because they're by themselves all the time. So Katie right. talked about her kids stepping up and doing chores in the morning. And Julie talked about building Ikea furniture with her three, four, five-year-old. Um, and they, as, as parents who are solo nearly all the time, they've seen this, they've seen how capable kids can be. Um, But those who only solo parent occasionally, like Rebecca's comment and like my experience, you do have to kind of really gut check and like and ask yourself, do I need to be doing all this? Same thing with prepping before you leave, like prepping all of the meals ahead. I mean, I just used to I used to work really hard again to leave the babysitter or my spouse with like a smooth sailing operation when I left town. And turns out that's not super necessary. And when we start traveling again, you're not doing that anymore, are you? No way. No way. They can no figure way. it out. <laughs> You'll be on a plane so fast. <laughs> be like, do like, we even have a mom? <laughs> Hi, guys. Where'd mom go? <laughs> I haven't seen her in a while. <laughs> All right. Well, let's um, talk about Kelsey's 
comment. And I know you're going to love this one, Megan. It reminded me a little bit of you. Kelsey has three kids and I believe they're in the farming industry. And we heard from several of you in that industry where six months of the year, your co-parent spouse is like gone 16 hour days and stuff like that. Um, So Kelsey said, I just had to accept the fact that if I wanted to do something with the kids, I most likely had to do it by myself without my husband. I love to camp and travel and do things. And I was feeling so sad that we couldn't because of my husband's career. But I just had an epiphany one day that I can just do it. I travel, road trip, day trip, and camp with my three kids. And we have so much fun together. It's never as hard as you think it will be. And plus, we can do hard things. I love this. This is such a great, it's not even a tip. It's just like a a whole paradigm shift (laughs) to end the episode with. But I think what... I love the best about um, Kelsey's comment is that it's all about accepting how things are and making the best of them rather than being, you know, resentful that they aren't different or worse, waiting around until maybe they will be different because, yeah, they might be like at some point, maybe you won't be on your own as much. If you're single, maybe you'll be repartnered. Your kids will get older or like if if you have a traveling partner, maybe that will chill out. But in the meantime, you're still living life and there's still stuff that you probably want to do. And, and I, I got really good in the early days about doing some things like I never minded doing a road trip. I never was afraid of um, going to visit family or stuff like that. But there are things I now look back and kind of wish I'd embraced earlier because I'm having a lot of fun doing them now in my 40s. And I think I probably could have involved um, my kids in those things solo earlier, even if we couldn't do them all together as a family. So I just, mm-hmm. I love that. I think it's just a really good reminder that, that life is happening now, mm-hmm. regardless of what your solo parenthood situation is. And um, so make the best of it however you can. And I also love Kelsey's comment that it's almost never as hard as you think it will be. I think for someone like me, I, I tend to assume things will be harder than I think. Now there's other personality types that assume things will be no problem. And then you get surprised at the other end, but I love that when I, when I was a brand new mom, I had a close friend in my little group of mom friends whose husband traveled all the time. And I not only traveled, but worked late. He was really only home for a little bit on the weekends. And I distinctly remember thinking to myself, I could never do that. And I believed it. I believed I could never do that because I had only had at that time, a spouse who was home at five 30 or six and I only had one kid. And I, I really thought, I don't know how I would do that. Or maybe I had, a, maybe I had two. And of course, a year or two later, I went into a solo parenting season of life myself and I totally did it. So right. we tend to we tend to like, I don't know, not give ourselves enough credit for whatever we think the hard thing is. And so I just appreciated Kelsey's comment as well, because everyone, everyone listening today has a different um, they're starting from a different place of what what sounds really hard, what seems pretty doable. And we've all kind of like earned different notches on our belt, so to speak. But um, whatever the hard thing is that you're anticipating, it's probably not as hard as you think. Love it. Well, we want to thank Water Wipes who sponsored this series. Again, I have loved delving into all these stories and I'm just really appreciative of Water Wipes for recognizing kind of all the different ways um, parenting happens and the challenges and joys of that. And I'm hoping people will definitely go check out the landing page we've set up, which is at themomhour.com slash solo. Yep. The momhour.com slash solo really collects both of the podcast episodes, plus a bunch of audio clips that you didn't get to hear last week or this week. So never before heard audio on that page. 
um, and some other really cool resources. Um, and that will also be the way that you can find out more about the hashtag This Is Parenthood community that's put together by Waterwipes. So again, head to themomhour.com slash solo. And Megan, this was great. We appreciate our sponsor, Waterwipes, and everybody who contributed to this series. And we'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of The Mom Hour. Talk to you soon. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by The Essential Calendar. Sarah, this is our favorite calendar for busy moms because its beautiful and simple design shows around three months at a time. Yeah, and with summer fast approaching, now is a great time to get the essential calendar and see what I've been raving about all these years. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour.